July 2011, the 4th of July weekend, a group of motorcyclists gathered in Onondaga, New York, to ride in protest against the New York state law that requires motorcycle riders to wear a helmet. One of those riding in protest was a 55-year-old man named Philip Contos from Paris, New York. During the ride, police say he hit the brakes on his 1983 Harley-Davidson. It fishtailed and he flew headfirst over the handlebars. His head struck the pavement and he was pronounced dead at the hospital. A medical expert later said he would have no doubt survived the accident had he been wearing a helmet. Whether anyone is personally for or against that law to wear a helmet when you're riding a motorcycle, you can't miss the irony of this accidental death. The man died protesting a law that had he obeyed it, it would have saved his life. We are free to choose our direction in life, but we are not free to choose the consequences, often which can last a lifetime. We are free to choose our direction in life, but we're not free to choose the consequences, often those which can last a lifetime. Choice and consequences. This is what I want to talk to you about today because I think all of us have that freedom. God has blessed us with that freedom to make choices in our life. And we can make choices that have a tremendous benefit both to us and to others. We can make choices that build a life that is a blessing. But we also can make choices that cause us great pain. As we get to our chapter this week in the story, we pick up the story of life in Israel after the judges. And right at the end of the book of Judges, Judges 21, 25, it tells us that in this land there was no king. Everyone was fit to do fit to do what they saw fit. This is a verse that I want you to think about. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. It kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Everyone makes their own choices, and, and I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't want to live in a culture or a society where we were repressed. I wouldn't want to live in a culture where uh, we had all the decisions made for us by a government. But in this case, there was a time of transition and, and some foolish choices were made uh, during the book of 1 Samuel. Foolish choices, I think, that we can learn from as well. Hopefully that we won't make those same foolish choices in our lives. That we won't use our freedom of choice to make decisions that bring about bad and destructive consequences in our lives. The first foolish choice we see as we read through the book of 1 Samuel is the choice of personal desire over God's truth. The choice of personal desire over God's truth. Now, during that first seven chapters, uh, that boy that Hannah gave to the Lord, uh, to the priest Eli, that boy's name was Samuel. Samuel was one of, the, he was the last judge. He also was a prophet. Uh, Samuel continue to lead the people of Israel to victories. But we pick up the story in uh, verse 1 of chapter 8, and it reads like this. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, Joel and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Be Beersheba. 
but his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. I want you to hear that. It is not you, Samuel, that they have rejected. They have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving all other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And the next few verses, that's exactly what Samuel does. He basically says to them, you don't know what you're asking for. You, you think it will be better. You think you'll be like everybody else. If you have a king, but you don't know what's going to happen there. You, you don't know the consequences of that choice. Let me give you an idea. And so he lays it out and he kind of concludes that verses 17 through 20. It says, he will take a tenth, the king of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you. In that day, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. They are dead set on having a king. They are dead set on exercising their personal desire over what God is telling them. God is speaking to them through Samuel. God is warning them through Samuel what the negative consequences of their choice will be, and they don't listen. That happens to us as well, doesn't it? Those of us who are parents, we know what I'm talking about, particularly as our kids get older and they have more discretion, they have more ability to choose. We can tell them and warn them what might happen if they make that choice, but we cannot control that choice. We have learned, perhaps, by making our own bad choices. And we can share that with those under us. Our children are those that we teach or those that we coach, but we cannot make those decisions for them. If they choose to go that direction, we can't stop them. Down in Australia, there is a river, uh, the Mary River. And there at the Mary River, there's a, a nice recreational area that a lot of young folks like to go to. In the summer of 2012, a group of 20-somethings went and had a great time together. But a couple of the guys, they decided to cross the river, to swim across a 260-foot river. Now, one of those guys disappeared, never to be seen again. And when the director of the park was interviewed she said when you get here you're told they're crocodiles saltwater crocodiles these are the biggest crocodiles reptiles in the world 15 foot is estimated the, the size of crocodile that took this man but they can grow up to 20 feet long and they are rapacious 
She said, don't swim. Stay at least 16 feet from the water. That's what we tell people. If people follow that advice, it's entirely safe. Beyond just a verbal warning, there are signs posted everywhere. Danger. Crocodiles inhabit this area. Attacks cause injury or, or death. Keep away from the water's edge. Do not enter the water. All of those warnings go unheeded. And a young man loses his life. Now, if I can extend that metaphor, if you'll permit me that, I think there are analogies for us all throughout life. There are choices we can choose that are like swimming across a river that's infested with saltwater crocodiles. We can choose to take that drug and continue to use it even though the dangers are communicated to us. We can choose to be dishonest with our wife or our husband. We can choose to seek and have sexual relationships with other people outside of marriage. And there are crocodiles in those rivers. It is for us to carefully consider in our lives God's truth. You see, God's truths, his laws, I think, were given to us for our good. His laws were given to us to keep us from crossing those rivers and getting eaten by crocodiles. And so here, the people are told, you don't really want a king, but they say, yes, we do. A foolish choice. The choice of personal truth, uh, personal desire, rather, over God's truth. The second foolish choice you see through the book of 1 Samuel is the choice of blending in over standing out. The choice of blending in over standing out. I don't know if you heard that, uh, but to emphasize it, let me read again verse 7 to you of 1 Kings chapter 8. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you have they rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. What is it? They want to be like other people. Verses 19 through 20. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. <clears throat> How many of us who are parents have heard, but everybody else's parents let them do that. Everybody else is doing that. But I don't, I tell you, it doesn't stop when you're a teenager. I think you can, if you're an adult, you can get sucked up into to doing things because other people are doing them. Uh, not even, uh, even mindlessly choosing, uh, you, with a mindfulness, choosing the direction we're going to go, but just kind of flowing along, blending in instead of standing out. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, or ever had much experience with military snipers, but they are taught the, uh, the art of concealment. They are taught to look like whatever there is around them. They have uh, uniforms if they're going to be in a jungle area that mimic all the jungle foliage. If they're going to be down in a swampy area, they have uh, suits that blend in and then they cover themselves with mud or dirt to blend in. So oftentimes I think in our lives we can blend in and not make those choices that God wants us to make, not be that light and salt that God wants us to make, not step up for God, not look 
like God wants us to look, not understand that the Christian life is a life of constant change. I don't know if you remember, but Jesus, when he called the first disciples, he said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What's that imply? There's a transformation necessary in the Christian walk. Even further, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, urge. He's, he's passionate about this. He is saying this needs to happen in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. In other words, not just singing praises to God as we've done this morning, and not just having communion with God as we've done this morning, but, but offering ourselves, making choices every day in our lives, building relationships every day in our lives that are holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That is, don't blend in, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The people had forgotten that in Samuel's time. Perhaps today, as you think about your life, you realize that maybe you've been making compromises in your choices. Maybe you've been making compromises in your parenting. Maybe you've been making compromises at work. It's time to to allow God to help us change that. Because if we blend in, if we conform to this world, we'll receive the consequences of this world. Consequences that we don't necessarily want to see and have in our lives. God wants to do this amazing work in you. He wants to transform you to no longer be selfish, to no longer be all about you, but to allow you to to be his child, his son or his daughter to allow you to know the benefits of that relationship and to make the choices that bring about the godly fruit in your life that God wants to bring about. God's word gives us more direction. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That is, the process of, of being transformed to look like God's child, of being a saint. Sanctification is that process of becoming like a saint that you should avoid sexual morality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the heathen, not blending in, not looking like them who do not know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. That sounds like what the people we're saying to Samuel and what God said. It's not you, Samuel, that they're rejecting. It is me. By choosing to do our own thing, by choosing to honor and, and seek out the desires of our selfish interests, as the Bible calls it, the desires of the flesh, we in effect are rejecting not just our parents, not just our teachers. We're rejecting God. The third choice we see here is the choice of options over obedience. 
the choice of options over obedience. Now, if you were following along in the story, if you've been reading, uh, and you know that king's name, that first king's name was Saul. Now, Saul was a, a guy who had a lot of things going for him. Saul was apparently like, you know, the Brad Pitt. He was like the big movie star, handsome, bold. Everybody loved him, at least at the beginning. Saul was, was the, the ideal. He was like the typecasting king, you know. He, he had all the things going for him. But as he began and went into his kingship, you, you saw what so often happens. I have known folks in my life uh, like Saul, people who had seemingly every personal gift that they could have, attractive, intelligent, strong, but who oftentimes because everybody just kind of bowed down before them and everybody kind of just uh, gazed upon them and, and let them do whatever they wanted, learned not to make character choices, but instead learn to do whatever it took to get ahead. Often lazy, undisciplined, dishonest. And Saul here, we see evidence of that. First Samuel chapter 15, as you move down through that chapter, you see that Samuel has warned them well that this king perhaps will bring them things that they don't want to see. Uh, Saul leads the people of battle into uh, uh, leads the people into battle, and they have and the Amicalites they have a victory, and he is told you're to go into that place and totally destroy all that belongs to them. You're not to take any of their stuff, any of their cattle, any anything that you can carry. You're to destroy it all. Now I told you last week, the re- it sounds really harsh. But the reason they did that was to try to control their environment, to not allow that polytheistic culture to influence and, and to stray away the people of God from true worship. While Saul does that, he attacks and God gives him the victory. But it says, verse 8, he took Agag, king of the Amicalites, alive. And then it says, verse 9, but God and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These, they were totally unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. They had options. They saw these fat sheep. They saw this prized livestock. And they chose to disregard God's best of guidance, and keep what they were supposed to destroy. Friends, our choices are not like that. But they are. Our choices are before us every day. Is it to do what God wants us to do or, or to do what maybe we think best? So Samuel tries to tell Saul that. And we get part of their conversation in verses 19 through 22. Samuel, speaking for God, says to Saul, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amicalites and brought back Agag, their king. 
The soldiers shook, took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, listen to this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Powerful words. Words I hope we can hear today for what they are. Obedience is worship. So we talked about Romans 12, 1, to live for God, to be holy and pleasing is worship. To make our choices, to conform our lives to the direction, to the image of God and his son Jesus is our best worship. And what that means to me is this. Yes, I do have the freedom to choose, but the way I can show God I love him most is to choose obedience. We have all kinds of options, don't we? And how to use our time. We can choose three or four weekends a year to go on vacation. We can choose three or four weekends a year to go do this in the city or that with family. We can choose, and before you know it, four, six months out of the year, we aren't together with the people of God. We aren't worshiping together with the people of God. It's important for us to be connected to other believers. And we can choose in this life to spend multiple weeks away from connection with the people of God. That's why God tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, uh, 24 and 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Forsake not the assembly, is what the old version said. That means to choose to be together with the people of God, for that is God's wish, to be obedient to God. We will worship together, not always choose to do our own thing. God tells us, to take what he has blessed us with and give back to him. But we can, without thinking about it, gradually say, but I need my money for this. I need my money for that. My, my time is precious and valuable, and we can use all of our time for things that only benefit us. We can use all of our energy for things that are all about us regardless of what God tells us. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Bring what is a blessing to me. Stewardship is this, that we manage what we have, our time, our energy, our talents, for God, we bless others with it. But we can have options, and our options can take the place of our obedience. Matthew 5, 24, it says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, 
and there remember that your brother or sister is something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Not only is it for God to obey him, is it for us to give, but it's to give with the right heart. It's to not give out of duty. It's to not give as if we are compelled. It is to give out of free will. It's to give out of our love. It's to give with a cheerful heart. That's obedience. We can choose other options. God asks us to use our gifts to serve him. That is obedience. But we can choose to use the characteristics, the talents he's given us. We can choose to use them for our own benefit or in other pursuits. Ephesians 4.12 says, To equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. What Ephesians is saying there is every one of us has gifts that we are to use in service for God. We are to use to, to bless the church and to bless others. 1 Peter 4.10 echoes that. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every one of us should use whatever gift. First <clears throat> Samuel's lessons are for us. And today, this is the question I have for us. Who or what is king of our life? They wanted a king. And God said, you want a king because you reject me as king. So today, my encouragement to you, I hope, is not to be condemned. It's not to feel shame. My encouragement for you is to see this. There is a better way. If we realize we have made choices that are not pleasing to God, if we have chosen personal desire over God's truth, if we have chosen blending in over standing out, if we have chosen our options rather than obedience, my encouragement to you is to change the direction of your life, to use your future choices to honor and bless and love God. And God will bless you. You remember, we are free to choose, but we are not free to choose the consequences, some of which can last for a lifetime. Fathers, we pray together today. I know this is a difficult message. I know it's a challenging message. But lest I tickle the ears of our friends here, of your beloved children, I pray today that we hear this message. I pray today that if there are areas of our life where we have become soft, areas of our life where we have strayed, areas of our life where we are not honoring you. I pray that we would turn that around today. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit as you've spoken to us through your truth and help us to respond. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.